and welcome to another edition of Cathode Ray Mission. Uh, I am Will Scoville in Berkeley, California. With me, as always, in Oklahoma City is Randy Heyer. Hey, Randy. Well, howdy, Will. How's it going? <laughs> Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Hanging out. Beautiful day in Oklahoma City. Hell yeah. And it is Halloween season officially. Yes. Um, we've already kind of kicked off uh, with an early review of the Dead Zone, but now we're here officially in October uh, with a pick from our special guest uh, today, Wonder Dave. Uh, Wonder Dave is, uh, he is a uh, sometimes host, uh, many times uh, debater on Nerd Rage of the Great Debates. He is a commentator for Hood Slam in Oakland, California, as well as a poet and stand-up comedian. Mm. Uh, So uh, he has brought us a movie today. Uh, Wonder Dave, why don't you tell us what movie it is? Uh, yeah, the film I have selected is a uh, Laotian horror film because uh, I'm a fun person, uh, and it's called Dearest Sister. Uh, yes, and this is a movie that was not on my radar at all, um, and it's available on Shutter at the moment, uh, mm-hmm. which has a lot of uh, non-English movies, um, and I think that's really interesting because you know horror is is I like it, but I don't watch a lot of it so i definitely don't watch a lot of foreign language horror um and i I was doing a little bit of reading about this this is like the first horror movie to be made in laos right or it's the first movie horror movie to be directed by a woman in laos or some some weird Uh, she's she's one of the only like directors who's working with like bigger studios to get distribution yeah Uh, and she's she's pretty much the first famous female director to come out of laos there aren't a lot. It's not a huge country. Mm-hmm. And she's also the basically the only person making horror movies in Laos that are yeah. like, you know, that have any type of a budget that aren't just like indie. Like, she's still pretty indie. Uh, mm-hmm. And I mean, I hate to admit this. My knowledge of Laos doesn't go f- much far beyond like King of the Hill and what I've learned from Khan and Men and Khan Jr., you know. Listen. At least they have some representation in American media. Yeah, uh, I mean, so. <laughs> that's not wrong, honestly, but yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm, yeah, I don't know anything about, apparently there's not a lot of Laotian cinema, you know, no. or Laos. So, yeah, it's, this, I, I, I mean, one of the things that I think is interesting about the film is that it exists in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes. that I, I definitely thought, and it was something that I, uh, I thought, she did a lot of cool stuff to kind of promote her film and get it created. Uh, she, one of like the, the fundraising goals for this film hmm. to get it made was that she put all of her, she would, uh, if she had a certain goal, which she did hit, she put all of another movie she did in public domain and did like a re-editing challenge for people, hmm. uh, which I thought was just like super interesting and cool. That is. Um, I think I I've read a lot about Maddie Doe, the creator of the film, and she just seems like a real like interesting creative person. Um, in general, like beyond because like, I I was very into this film. I will say that it's part of why I picked it. Uh, and I will also acknowledge probably not a movie for everyone. <laughs> yeah. So, well, let's get into the like really high points of the plot here. Um, it's about a girl living in the country who is uh, brought to the big city to watch after her cousin who is going blind. Uh, her cousin is married to a very wealthy white 
I don't know, he sounded maybe South He's African Estonian. or Estonian. Okay. Um, a guy who's doing some sort of solar pr- uh, panel project. He's like house. a more in shape but uglier Tim Heidecker. I kept yeah. thinking about Tim Heidecker the whole time <laughs> he was on screen. Yeah, and so he's um, he's a super rich dude. They have you know the help in the um, in the in the house. They have a groundskeeper and a maid, um, and there's a lot of tension there immediately. Um, and so the cousin coming in from the country is definitely not in the, of the same class as uh, as her cousin or her husband. And her cousin, um, going blind, starts seeing things and goes into these kind of like seizure kind of moments and sometimes harms herself. And when that happens, she starts... Uh, spouting out numbers, which are, it turns out, winning lotto numbers. Uh, and so the cousin starts uh, taking advantage of this um, and doesn't tell her cousin what's happening, like, or the full story of what's happening during her kind of fugue state moments. Uh, so it kind of, uh, yeah, it kind of turns in from, from a ghost story into something a little bit deeper, uh, about greed and uh, capitalism, yeah, um, which I thought was fairly interesting. Um, it was a neat subject matter, which I have to admit I haven't seen Parasite yet. I know it won can, fucking Oscar. I was about to say you cannot, we can't really talk about this movie without talking about Parasite because there's yeah. a lot of fucking similarities in it. Yeah, and that, I mean, just from what I've heard, I don't know really what Parasite is. I don't know what how the story goes. I've kept myself that far away from it, but, um, kind of the overview of what I've heard, the themes are, it seems like this is a very similar movie. Um, because it really does get into class a lot. It is. And Uh, it isn't, this is a smaller scale movie and it's also has supernatural. I'm not going to try I'll really try not to spoil parasite for you if you haven't seen it yet. Cause it's a, it's a pretty, I mean, I love, uh, Bong Soon Ho, I think I hope I'm saying his name right. That director, I mean, Memories of Murder, Mother, the host, he's he's fantastic. Parasite's not even close to my favorite movie by him, but it's a great movie. But this, so this is a little bit different. Have you seen Parasite, Wonder Dave? I have not. I've actually. What's funny is uh, the movies I've selected recently uh, in pandemic times. Uh, have been very based on me being stoned late at night. And every time I think about watching something like Parasite stoned, I'm just like, no, yeah, I don't want to do Well, that. if you can watch yeah. this stoned, you can definitely watch Parasite stoned. I mean, yeah. Okay, well, good to know. Cool. Um, so, yeah, it uh, it was very interesting. It was... I admit I had I had watched a two and a half hour movie before, right before watching this one. <laughs> Me too. Um, same, yeah. And you know it was like I watched it before bedtime, which is maybe not the the best time to watch it, but it was it was an interesting movie because it got it had a lot about the culture of that country uh, that I wasn't really aware of about what the class systems are about seeking medical uh, further medical. Uh, attention in Thailand, like going to to a bigger country, I suppose, mm-hmm. to seek more advanced medicine. Um, and the the whole kind of 
thing about marrying a white person because white people are coming to Laos to do stuff. You know, there's there's um, not only uh, the cousin's husband who is Estonian, but there's like another guy who's maybe American, uh, Asian American, who is there. And then at one point, uh, our main character goes to a bar and encounters a bunch of Australian men. Yes. Um, so it seems like there is in the background is this thing about businesses coming and Europeans coming and establishing themselves, you know, as sort of like a new colonialism uh, coming in there. It's a very lot of expats uh, piping in with their money and yeah. what effect that has on your local culture and stuff. Uh, in this film, so. Yeah. And the fact about like marrying into that and becoming a part of that versus having someone from your same, from your homeland be the maid or the, or the groundskeeper in, in who lives outside of your home in a smaller house, you know, and what that says about your class. Yeah. Um, because our main character is moved more than once, I think, from the main house into, into the That's servant's home. That's uh, that's one of the things that I actually one uh, I in researching this film, the main character, Nock, uh, is played by a, a she's like a Laotian pop star, I mm. guess. Mm. Uh, I have not researched any of her music, but I'm gonna because uh, why not? I'll learn more about this lady. So, uh, pro I mean, I imagine that's a bit of stunt casting uh, on on Maddie Doe's oh. part uh, to see this sort of like pop idly girl uh, be like moved back and forth. Um, I love I love a horror movie where uh, insert blank is the real monster. Mm. Uh, and in this movie, it's very clear, like, classism is the real monster. Right. Uh, that's, yeah. like, the actual terror of the film uh, is, is like, who gets to have money, what you have to do to get it, um, and things like that. And I, I think it's a very uh, clear message in the film without feeling heavy-handed. Um, that was one of the things I really liked about it. Um, and Nock does, she is kind of, I think, in a really good position for, like, a, a horror protagonist, uh, where, like, exactly what she is is towed, like, is she this woman's family or is she this woman's servant? Mm -hmm. She goes back and forth from being treated like both by different characters throughout the film. Yeah. And, like, it's also unclear exactly what she herself wants to be. Like, she doesn't necessarily know what the right place for her is. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just love that tonally throughout the film. I think it's I think it's really an interesting choice, uh, and and like creates a really cool tension for the movie. Yeah, and, and there's another thing about you know with Nock and the maid, where Nock is trying to just send a text message to her boyfriend, who she is unable to communicate with because her phone credits have run out, and so she steals. She sees some cash on the table and steals like a bill. To go get, you know, maybe I would imagine $40 worth of, you know, a $40 phone card so that she can text her boyfriend. And even in doing that, like, doesn't spend the whole amount of the money, gets a, a cheaper card, brings back the change. But in doing so, the maid saw her, takes the rest of the money and decides to blame her for taking the whole thing. Okay. And so, you know, Nock is like taking that money because she needs that money. But who's to say that that maid is also not taking that money because she needs that money? Yeah. And it's the need of both. 
And really that money is, is nothing to the cousin. And so the need of that money is pitting those two people who are really in the same position against each other. But the cousin acts like super harsh about like mm. her judgment on, on like stealing the money and stuff. It's like, mm. she acts like, how dare you take the money and stuff? So, and like, yeah, she's basically pitting the two. I mean, that's, Definitely. Well, the One of the huge similarities with Parasite is pitting kind of the working class against each mm -hmm. other. But the and real enemy the is I, the owner of the fucking house, you know? Yeah. yeah. The, the cousin herself, it, it should be noted, like, is in part the white guy is giving her family money. Mm -hmm. Like, that's... Uh, uh, I think part of the reason I was super into this and this story in general is a couple things I've watched uh, previously... Um, one, 90 Day Fiance. Uh, a lot of people from that region featured on the show. You get a pretty good insight into a lot of rural life stuff uh, from that show, which, like, real mixed bag, uh, 90 Day Fiance. Definitely not something I would recommend, but I think it's something a lot of people are familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing I watched is this documentary called Lady Boys, Thailand's Third Gender, which is sort of about, I mean, by and large, white men moving to Thailand and, like, sort of the that region of the world... Um, and they end up hooking up with these, like, trans women, and a lot of these trans women come from poverty and, like, end up using the white guy's capital because the white guy can't start a business once he's in Laos because he's not a citizen, so they end up starting using the white guy's capital. It deals a lot with, like, a very similar situation. Obviously, there's a whole additional level with being trans on it in that mm -hmm. documentary, mm. um, and it's a documentary, but I think that that provided some insight for me at least, going into this film to kind of what Knox's life is like and to what the lives of, like, women who are, you know, ending up married to white men uh, mm -hmm. in, in that region who are ended up marrying to, like, foreign investors who are there or whatever. Um, okay. And I think 90 Day Fiance deals with some of that, too. Uh, and it is... Uh, for, for a horror movie where classism is the monster, it definitely, like, makes a lot of really good choices around that, so... Um, one of my big issues with this movie is I think it just doesn't look good. You know, I'm like, get some wide shots of the city and stuff. There's like not, I don't know. To me, it was a lot of tight close-ups on faces and stuff. It's handheld cameras and stuff, but mm -hmm. it's like you can do things with handheld cameras. Like you can move and stuff. It just, it felt very suffocating to me the way it was shot. Maybe that's intentional. But yeah, it felt I, kind I of like, yeah, I, like because she even mentions how as as she's losing her sight, everything kind of keeps compressing, like getting more and tighter. She gets really claustrophobic the more blind she gets, and I was feeling a lot of that, especially with you know with the cousin, um, you know, and then how they were revealing the the ghosts, which I think is pretty. Um, I liked that. You didn't get a stupid-looking monster. You know, it was a cheap movie. So they got an innovative way of showing you with, you know, cheaper effects, kind of this thing that she can barely see anyway, you know. So you're seeing it through her eyes. And how it reveals that, like, oh, she's seeing dead people kind of like Sixth Sense uh, style, you know, and the way that they can kind of reveal that uh, through those, like, kind of close-ups and everything. Is I thought that worked. The scary stuff did not work for me at all, like, that kind of stuff. I thought it looked mm -hmm. kind of... It was interesting and stuff, but it wasn't frightening to me, and it mm -hmm. sort of was, like... 
I don't know. This is this looked like a lot. I've seen a lot of low budget horror movies, digital video horror movies. This is obviously like a cut above. There's like tears, you know. This mm-hmm. isn't like the bottom or anything. This is just like there's like the okay. Do you guys remember that series? It was like eight films to die for that they used to do, and it was like. They'd release them in theaters. This is about ten years ago, and then they oh, have them on those. DVD. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the they looked. This reminded me of that a lot. Mm, okay, honestly. Just I know like what you're the look about. and the way it's made and stuff. It's just like I've seen a lot of movies that look like this. I guess you know. And okay, I I, I, that kind of bummed I, me out about it I, a little bit. I will that say was that one like of my big criticisms. The story is pretty good, though. I will say that like this came out in 2016. It came out in a country that is. So in ways behind the United States, as far as um, the amount of movies and the quality of movies they're probably putting out. And so when you have someone, they're probably looking at a lot of like American films, American films done, uh, you know, fairly recently, uh, 2016, I think is when this came out. (laughs) And so if you look at stuff that was coming out, maybe from 2007 through 2010, um, a lot of it looks like this, and this is when I was that. when I was in film school, and I had folks tell me this is kind of like the Vimeo effect. So you saw a lot of like movies shot on DSLR. That this is the kind of s- stuff they were able to pull off with like a stock lens. Um, so it's fairly easy to shoot this. It's fairly cheap to shoot that way, um, and so I think they're doing the best with. It. And I haven't seen any of the other movies. Uh, Wonder Dave. You mentioned another one that you've seen by the same director. Um, I think I'm saying that right. It's yeah. on YouTube. Uh, if anyone wants to, Chan Thali, the one is, that was released for the free editing, is on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, same star, actually. The pop yeah. star is, is the same lead. So. Oh, yeah. Now, did this did that look similar to this? Was it shot kind of the same way, or was it? Um, I have not watched the entire movie. I started oh, okay. to watch it, and then I was like, oh, I'm going to record this podcast instead. So gotcha. uh, this Dearest Sister came across my radar first. Okay. Uh, I, I assume, because this one actually, like, uh, it didn't, Laos nominate, Laos put it up for consideration for Best Foreign Film hmm. that year. Uh, it did not get nominated, but it, it, gotcha. it did It did make the consideration uh, chunk, which I think is pretty cool. Um, and it is it is shot on a low budget, and I think you can tell. But I think they do a good job with low budget shooting. I think so too. Yeah, um, uh, but I think it's like it's it's a really interesting subject matter to tackle uh, for a horror film, um, and I think that the 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 it's not just the two cousins fighting each other. You know, it's also they they bring in the the maid and, and the groundskeeper as well. I think that is a huge addition to this story. Um, and then all the stuff about like her the the cousin's husband like cooking the books on everything. There's and, so much moral ambiguity in this yeah. film about who's right and who's wrong. And like I love that. Uh, it's I feel like a lot of movies you don't see moral ambiguity in this mm-hmm. level and i think in a, even in a lot of horror you don't see moral ambiguity like it's very clear who the good guy is um and it's I, yeah i just find i find this film so interesting um it does fall i will say i don't think if you're a person who's like i love jump scares i want to be afraid the whole time uh it is not the horror movie for you it is not uh 
I I definitely found myself feeling tense and feeling scared occasionally. Uh, but it was more I was afraid like for the characters than being afraid myself. If that makes any sense, like it's a it's a little more like Babadook or Babadook ish yeah. than than some like which a I think su- is fine. supernatural drama or like a psychological yeah, drama. Like yeah, it feels what it feels like to me is those sort of like old. Um, like a lot of the old, like Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, the very like a woman is leading this picture type mm, films mm. with like horror elements applied to it, uh, and I kind of love that. Like, why not? Why not make a classic women's picture uh, with with creepy horror elements in it yeah. uh, to highlight the horror of being a woman who is in the position that these two or three, if you count the maid, uh, these three women are in. Mm. Um, like, I I think that's a really interesting. Thing to do with genre uh. yeah and i and i think it, that that's interesting because you see some movies or books or whatever or tv shows with kind of this take on horror is that something supernatural happens and really the story is about how the characters either react to that horror which is fairly neutral um and or um how it is abused, how that power is abused in whatever way. And so that's really kind of the, the major story of this one with, with these like this supernatural thing kind of almost in the background, really. I mean, it's a driving force. It's not a MacGuffin at all because it is driving everything that, you know, it is the secret that they're keeping from a lot of people. Um, you know, it is the main secret, but then that just causes more secrets and more secrets between more and more people and the more things that you have. And so it becomes this interpersonal drama kind of leading the tension and the suspense versus anything that you're going to see out of a jump scare or, or gore uh, at all. Um, although there is a little bit of like weird shit, like um, uh, the cousin cutting her hands open uh, and then getting infected. Uh, and then the weird eye surgery, uh, which some people would, uh, that's, that's a trigger for some people, I'm sure. Oh. Uh, eye trauma. Yeah. So. Yeah, I can see that. Um, but. I did love, I did love that switch of her, like, obviously the, uh, the, the woman of the house is becoming less and less powerful as the film progresses. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's terrifying, right? Like, yeah. that's like. This woman who married a white man got some power because of that is is losing like not only like her culture and who she is, she's also just losing the whole world. Uh, and what an interesting metaphor. Uh, yeah. Well. This film is full of metaphor. Yeah. Like she has to learn English. They're just going to move to another country, um, which is something she really doesn't want to do. But even in the, at one part, like after knock gets to move back into the house because she really needs her. She does the thing about like moving the furniture around Mm -hmm. and saying like, Oh, you think you can survive without me? Yeah. Um, you know, what if all, this is all I have to do and you're done. Like, you don't know what to do. You can't cook for yourself. Um, you can't do anything. Um, there's that part where she's eating and she's like, come eat. And she's like, I don't want to like make me whatever. It's like, She's like, you don't like clay ocean food anymore. And then later, mm-hmm. 
She's like, you starved me. It's like, I don't know. She had food there. She was yeah. like, yeah, all you had to do is yeah. get down on the ground and eat the food with her. Like, yeah, there's yeah. so much about how Anna, uh, or Anna is the the woman's name, the sort of woman of the house is married to the white guy. Uh, there's so much about, like, the traditional medicine gives her an infection. She doesn't mm. want to eat the Laotian food anymore. Yeah, There's just, like, so much about her rejection of her own culture versus how much she actually wants it. It's, I, I think it's really interesting. Right. Yeah. And it's just, and then there's the other thing about like, she has that friend that's there. Um, the, the pregnant one. Oh uh, yeah. And who is like a real piece of shit. <laughs> uh, a real piece of shit. The lady teaching her English is also kind of a piece of shit too. Yeah. So yeah. it's just like, um, yeah, and you, you again, see, even within the country there, she's coming from a different class. She's coming from the country, and she's kind of seen as, like, this country bumpkin, uh, which, you know, we do that in the United States, too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we make judgments a lot uh, based on where people are from or or how they dress or whatever, and so it's very much the same thing a lot of times, uh, a lot of classes stuff. Um but I don't know. Yeah, this one, this one, this is kind of my first step into that culture uh, and kind of seeing that angle. Um, and we were talking about uh, documentaries earlier. And I wanted to mention another one that, that this kind of reminded me of is Restrep- Restrepo, I think. It was, uh, it's from when conflicts in Afghanistan were, I think it's from the the Bush years. Yeah, I never so, saw that. That was good though. Apparently, it's really intense, um, and it's like it, it follows the Americans, and it's very yeah, yeah, it's very intense. But they keep going into these, you know, there, there's these people who are living in Afghanistan. They're living in the middle of nowhere. They're living in these small rural communities, and you have you you understand why these people would not cooperate with the Americans when you have people from who come in and speak their language and at one point give them like this guy a gold watch versus an American who is not speaking their language, who is throwing them in jail, you know, who, who you're going to side with in any sort of conflict, um, you know, and you kind of see the abuse that, you know, the Americans brought into that country just simply by uh, virtue of thinking they're the good guys yeah. and thinking they're deserving of that. In much the same way that, you know, everyone living in that house, the Estonian guy, think they they earned everything when, in fact, that Estonian dude is stealing for his own benefit. Yeah, you know? he, he had to flee Europe and he lives in Laos. Yeah, and like... And now he has to this, flee Laos. This, his account is like, I'm not risking myself so you can make a few bucks off oh, a really basic that solar panel project. Some of his acting in... The accountant, I know it's a low-budget movie, but there is a line. I was watching this last night. I kept repeating it to my girlfriend. I was like, I'm an accountant. I have the books. <laughs> he says it like that. I was like, man. Okay, I man, wonder. Oh, man. I, I wonder. So I wonder how much English is, is spoken in Laos, um, especially in, like, the city. And I wonder how much of the English in this movie, you know, when you have an American movie and you have someone speaking a foreign language, you know, I don't speak that language. I, they could be saying anything and I'll just, you know, take the word of the subtitles. So if it's in another country and they just have someone speaking English, is it stuff like, 
I'm the accountant. I have the books. Uh, yeah. How literally know? is this translated? Yeah, yeah. Like, let's go to the bar. We're going to be late. Uh, so I wonder how much of that, you know, is that it's a cheap movie, it's a low-budget movie versus, <coughs> yeah, just throw some English in there. You know what? Really That's basic. a really good point. Because it, yeah. yeah, but at the same time, man, that guy, <laughs> not not so hot on that line read there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, I, I, he's probably one of my least interesting characters in the movie. Yeah. I mean, the core of the movie is this woman and her cousin who she doesn't yes. really know. Yeah. Um, yeah. For sure. And then the husband and then the two housekeepers or yeah. Yeah. groundskeepers. It's very small made. cast. Yeah. Like, ve- like a very like tight focus in on mm-hmm. what's going on. So, uh, um, I think we are about ready for a break, so let's come uh, take a break and come back with the big roundup. Dearest sister. Hi, I'm Jacob. And I'm Annie. Have you ever enjoyed a palaver? Is it good to be the dog's dinner? Who is this Bob, and why is he your uncle? For the answers to all these questions, you'll have to listen to our podcast, Boo to a Goose, breaking down British and American expressions and idioms. We use them, define them, and explain their history, all in a short, digestible format. So go ahead and check out Boo to a Goose wherever you get your podcasts. Cheerio! That means goodbye. Hey everybody, my name's Dane. And I'm Jimmy. And our podcast is called Bubbling Questions. We do would-you-rathers from listeners and a Twitter bot. Along with one-person game shows using ridiculous stuff we find on the internet. Like what kind of ridiculous are we talking? <laughs> I shall not tell you. Okay, all from our very real hot tub. Oh yeah, 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 very real, uh, not a gimmick at all. <laughs> find Bubbling Questions wherever you get podcasts. And I'm Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> And we are back, and it is time for our big roundup uh, for the movie Dearest Sister 2016. Wonder Dave, uh, one to five star rating, what do you give Dearest Sister? Oh, man, this is really hard. Uh, I really, really loved this film. I am aware that it is not... I don't think it's great. I do think it's very good. I'm kind of torn between giving it three and a half and giving it four stars, uh, and I think I'm going to give it four stars just for the effort, because uh, I, I think they did a bunch of cool stuff. I lo- I loved the ending sequence of this. We didn't talk about it much, but, like, what a great ending vision for her to just go through. To, like, she literally could have stopped it and was like, nope, yeah. screw you, bitch, and doesn't. And I love that as an end. Yeah. I think it's just, like... I think it made such a good choice on an ending that it bumps up. I'm just saying it's a very good film on my scale. I'm going to give it a four star, not five, but four. I'll give it a four. Four star. Very good. Randy, what would you give Dearest Sister on the one to five? Uh, You know, all right, Phyllis, I got to say, talking it out with you guys, I realize this movie is a lot more interesting than maybe I was giving it credit for last night when I was watching it. I... Sat, watched, I was pretty, like, mad watching this movie. Just because of the look of, <laughs> I, I watch a lot of horror movies and stuff. 
And as maybe you do too, you know, I assume you do since this is like a weird, I'm talking to Dave, not Will. Uh, Since this is like a Shudder exclusive. I mean, I was happy to watch this and it was interesting, but just something about, I guess, I mean, it's just the look. It is straight up the look of the movie bummed me out so bad. And I don't know. And then I also... There, it's a really slow-paced, quiet kind of movie. It's one. There's like a certain. It's just a certain kind of horror movie that there are a lot of these days in the low-budget realm, and it is what it is, you know. And you like that kind of thing or you don't. Results may vary, and for me, I don't know. I just. But at the same time, I think it's it had a lot to say like about class and stuff and the story was interesting showing me a culture I don't know anything about uh, and subtly introducing me to all these ideas, you know, of like expats moving to Laos and the business and uh, class structure and just what's happening there and stuff. So that is incredibly interesting. On the other hand, so I'm going to give this... Dear sister, two and a half out of five stars. Uh, Very cool. So I normally, I think I would give this also a two and a half star, which is something that is interesting, worth seeing if you're really into that. So for example, uh, on my scale, Super Mario Brothers, the movie is two and a half stars. Movie I enjoy watching. <laughs> I enjoy watching the movie. That's a fair assessment of Super Mario Brothers, the movie. Yeah. I would agree. So, but you got to actually gotta, also gotta, agree that this is as good <laughs> as that movie. Um, so it, <laughs> it totally is different you, reasons. It, it, you got to understand what you're getting when you're getting this movie. Yes. Um, and so if you go into that, it can be something that is that you can get something out of. Um, but it's not in the perfect package. And so it is a little difficult to watch sometimes. It is not stylistically exciting a lot of times, but the content and the message is very clear. The director knows what she is wanting to say with this movie. Yes. And is doing it the best way she can. And I think that is... Director with a bunch of personal. Yeah. yeah. So that that's another thing. And watching something like Last House on the Left, you know, and what Wes Craven was able to do later on in his career with a movie that is very, if you go back and watch that movie, it is like, it's a little bit tough to get through. It, like it really drags in places. But you see where he went later on. And I think the same thing with Matty Doe saying where they're able to go later on with a bigger budget if they're able to inject this into such a small budget uh, movie. So with that added to it, I'm going to bump it up from two and a half to three stars. Cool. And and give it a a nice three star. Yeah, you're right on about saying the stylistically it's lack. That's what I, that's all I really mean about the look of it and stuff. It's just like, I want it to be more, more of a real, a sheer hand and a vision behind the Mm -hmm. camera and the way the camera moves and the way the shots and stuff are set up. It's just like, just make it, make it good you know it felt very like first time even though it's her second movie and more than likely they'll get hired to do some asian styled american horror movie um and yeah it's it's going to be an american studio whatever size that studio is but they're they do that a lot they bring in foreign directors to make their first american movie Mm -hmm. or a remake of some other movie and so they're going to learn 
how to make an American movie and then go back and make something really cool uh, with that yeah. knowledge. So I'm excited to see that that track. Yeah. Um, it does seem like Matty Doe is making inroads into Hollywood and spending time in Los Angeles. And absolutely. She seems to be like, as a director, she seems to be on the right path. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I, you know, get on board early. Why not? Check out yeah. the work of someone who looks like they're going to be doing cool stuff. Absolutely. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that has been a thing where, like, a foreign director has to make one American movie, but then they can kind of do whatever they want. They kind of get known after that and kind of put out some really spectacular stuff. Yeah. Um, so without fully selling out, which I like. Um, great. So recommendations. Recommendation time. Uh, Wonder Dave, do you have any other recommendations based on this one? Um, I Well, I did mention that documentary, uh, Lady Boys Inside Thailand's Third Gender, which I is a, see a miniseries. Honestly, that uh, sounds interesting. I would say it's a little behind uh, where I think it should be on trans policies. Also, oh. like the culture around being trans in Thailand is very different than in America. Uh, and it's a British documentary, too. Mm. Uh but it's definitely interesting. Uh, it's available on Amazon Prime. It's free. I think it's a three or four parter. Um, and they're each like an hour long, maybe. Um, and there's a couple of the women who I, I really liked. I, I really liked what they were doing. They just were very smart and sort of like working within the not great system that they had been handed to make really good things happen for their family. Because like, mm. I just can't imagine you're like a trans woman from an impoverished country and, like, you're from a village like Nock was in, in this. Um, uh, there's this one character, a uh, woman, real person, her name is Peng, in the documentary. And I think Nock reminded me a little bit of her. Uh, or her situation was very similar. Mm. But, like, mm. she did a bunch of great things in the documentary. She was out there getting pigs for her family and stuff with that white man money. And I was like, good job. You, you do it, Peng. <laughs> I like you. Um, and then I, I sort of thought about, like, sort of other... This really put me in the mood to watch some other horror that I think moves very slowly. Um, and uh, a bit of the character, the characters in it, it gave me like heavy Ellen Bernstein vibes. Mm. Uh, so I'd say go watch The Exorcist or Requiem for a Dream post this <laughs> film. Mm. Uh, uh, both great, both real slow, creeping doom. Uh, I know Requiem for a Dream isn't a horror movie really. Yeah, but it is. It is a bit, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's very like the monster is insert this thing yeah. that's happening to this character. Yeah, um, but very literally so. So it's less horror more than just like a terrifying drama. Um, but yeah, and The Exorcist is, I think, still one of the best slow build horror movies <gasps> ever. Like, oh yeah, the world I, is I, so rich in The Exorcist. It's, it's and it's, it's so slow. Like it, its pace is glacial. But, um, and that's what makes The Exorcist work, honestly. Like, in that, you've got all these beautiful shots of fucking Georgetown. Oh, You're following all these characters, just building who they are, showing the geography of the house, the neighborhood, the stairs. All this shit's getting carefully laid out before the and devil I, comes, you know? Like, I mean, I... Yeah, you don't have to argue with it's me crazy. about that. I mean, I did just recommend one of the most popular horror movies of all times, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm aware. But if, I, some people have not seen it, and I think it's definitely worth a rewatch. It's worth, if you have. It lives up to the hype, though, You're for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I would give that movie five stars. Like, <laughs> I haven't watched it in a year, and I, I know that I would give it five stars. Absolutely. Now I'm thinking, cool. so. 
Uh, Randy, what are your recommendations? My recommendations would be, I don't know. It kind of reminded me of Parasite, obviously, you know, has similar themes and similar in ways. It also reminded me of a tale of two sisters that, um, motherfucking, I cannot remember that dude's name. It's the same director who made... Uh, I want to say I saw the devil, man. I'm really getting caught with my pants down on this one. <laughs> it's a Korean horror movie. Yeah. It's called A Tale of Two Sisters. It's not the Adam Rifkin movie based on Charlie Sheen's poetry. Oh, boy. Also no. called A Tale of Two Sisters. It is Adam directed Rifkin. by Kim Ji-Woon. Kim Ji-Woon. And, yeah, I don't know. That movie... It's a little bit different than this, but it's just sort of, it's like set in a house, supernatural elements to it. Also like power. It's That one's not so much about um, class as it is like power dynamics, mm-hmm. I guess. But I mean, maybe it, maybe I go back and watch it, but like, oh, this is, this is what it's about. Yes. It's the same director who made I Saw the Devil, Good, the Bad, the Weird, Bittersweet Life. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, that one is good. Ooh, spooky movies, you know. This is a little yeah. bit low-key, but it has some ghost-type stuff. Premonitions of murder. Not murder, but death and stuff. Cool. Yes. Uh, my recommendation uh, is... It's not a horror movie, but it kind of is like the financial horror or the horror of, like, going broke. Money pit. Uh yeah, Money Pit. Uh, Wendy and Lucy, um, which mm. is a really kind of low-key movie uh, about a girl and her dog and how very quickly all of her plans kind of unravel um, based solely on I need to get my car fixed. Um, it's, it was, it was, it's really, it gets kind of stressful and things kind of build on top of each other and steamroll and it's just done so quietly and, you know, paced out and you're just like but it's just this rolling rolling tension as things get worse and worse and worse and you know our main character ends up in a very different spot at the end of the movie than uh, she is at the very beginning um so yeah that's that's one again not a horror movie but it all it is very suspenseful and uh deals with uh a lot of the same issues so uh, but with no clear antagonist Hey, and you talking about it being kind of stressful is an understatement, honestly. Yeah. I think that movie is very, if you if you are sad about dog stuff, it doesn't have death, but it's just, you know. Yeah. Oof, it's a uh, heart-wrenching yeah. movie. I, when I first saw that movie, I was very, I was in a different financial situation. It really kind of hit home. Yeah, like, oh yeah, I see that, oof. for sure. Uh, not so much anymore, but thankfully, but like... You know, I always have that in the back of my mind, uh, coming from that. So, like, it it is is scary to me. So, uh, but yeah, that that's all I got for recommendations. So, uh, if there's nothing else, why don't we go ahead and wrap it up, Dave? Uh, anything you want to promote? Yeah, check out uh, Nerd Rage The Great Debates, the podcast, nerdragepodcast.com, at nerdragetgd on all social media. I work on that with Will Scovel. Hell yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm at Team Wonder Dave, T-E-A-M, Wonder Dave, on all my social, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
Monday.org's website. You can check out Mental Health Comedy Hour online. Uh, Smilf, the show where I sexually harass straight men. It's a very, it's a very fun time. Uh, so many things happening in my life. <laughs> so enjoy those things. Very cool. Uh, Randy, anything you want to announce, promote? No. Happy. Oh, no, not happy. This is coming out tomorrow. A little peek behind the curtain on this one. <laughs> this is recording. Sometimes we recorded an episode just now before this. It's coming out in like God knows when. This is coming out literally tomorrow. Um, no, this is the beginning of the, you know, the spooky spooky season we're doing nothing but spooky movies on cathode ray mission i couldn't be happier i'm a big horror hound somewhat of a horror hound myself and uh, so you know this month be on the lookout for scary things like policemen and rich people you know <laughs> uh, so that's all yeah that's all i gotta say yeah we've got our uh we've each got our 12 foot home depot skeleton uh, you know, that's the hot new item of the, of the Halloween season. 20 foot. So, Is that what you said? Uh, 15 foot, I think 12 foot, 15. I can't remember how, how big now. Uh, it's a big skeleton you can get at Home Depot. <laughs> it's the hot item of, 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 you know, inflatables out, you know, giant skeleton in, um, and I will say in, in Berkeley, uh, you get a lot of, you know, we got a lot of creative people out here. Uh, I took a scooter home last Halloween or maybe the Halloween before that, um, through the neighborhoods and came upon a house where there was a man being held by an evil tree, a real man being held up in the air by a real evil tree, um, uh, handing out candy. It was, hell uh, yeah. Uh, nice. he probably works, works for Pixar or something. I'm that sure. That is, um, is John Lasseter. He's like, yeah, something like that. Give me a hug, kid. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, so for me, uh, again, uh, Nerd Rage, The Great Debates, uh, check it out. SEPDOC, we review documentaries. Uh, another uh, podcast called The Cathode Ray Mission, where we review movies. And hey, Halloween, spooky movies, check it out. Uh, other than that, uh, thank you all. Thank you both. Uh, thank you, Wonder Dave, for uh, coming back the first time. Uh, it's, it's, you know, kind of weird that it's almost like we've recorded another podcast that hasn't come out yet. No, weird. Uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, Randy, uh, I'll see you next week. All right. See you then, Will. Thanks again, (laughs) Dave. Thank you. Bye.